Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was the classic I Heard It Through the Grapevine from Marvin Gaye, of course, here on Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is, of course, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business. My business shaper today is Vashi Dominguez. He is Spanish. By the way, if you didn't know that from the name, you will know it when you hear him delightfully talking to me very shortly. And he is a man in the world of diamonds. He runs a brilliant website called Vashi.com, and he did some stuff before that as well which you will be hearing about lots coming up from Vashi very shortly in addition to hearing from him you will be hearing from our program partners at Mishkondawea some words of advice for your business and on top of all of that of course some brilliant music from the shapers of jazz soul and blues including Etta James Kurt Elling and this from Coop here on Jazz FM <laughs> That was Summer Sun from Coop. As billed earlier, Vashi Dominguez is my business shaper today. The founder, chairman, chief executive, I think we should give you some more titles, Vashi, of the <laughs> business called Vashi.com, previously known as Diamond Manufacturers Limited, which began a business in 2007. Vashi, thank you very much for joining me. My first question is actually how the, the, the boy from Tenerife ends up setting up a business at the age of 19 uh, in in the world of I think it was uh, electricals, and then eventually becomes a diamond guy. What f- gave you the idea that you wanted to run your own business at such a young age? Well, always you know from an early from a very young age, I had the typical thing. You know, you want to become an astronaut or a scientist or something like that. But from a very early age, I knew that I wanted to do something really really big. I didn't know what and how, but I knew that I wanted to do something huge. At the same time, I had a passion for diamonds. My maternal grandmother used to have some beautiful diamond jewelry. And I also used to go with my father to some friends of him who were used to run jewelry stores. And I used to look at little rings and pieces of jewelry and see that they were worth as much as a car. So I used to find the whole thing very, very fascinating. When I turned 17 and I finished my A-levels in Spain, I still wasn't sure of what I wanted to do. I'm not the kind of person to sit down and relax and take a break and think about it. So I got into law in university just because I have people in my family who are lawyers and public notaries. And of course, I was bored to death. So on year two, I was sat next to my best pal there and I just said to him, look, I'm just, this is not for me. I think I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out and I'm never going to come back in my life. And he just looked at me and was like, yeah, right. And I got up and I said to him, have a nice life. And the last time I saw him was two years ago. So it's like nearly 20 years later. And that first business um, where I believe you began sourcing technology directly for manufacturers in the Far East for a retail business that you created, a chain of electronic stores. How many did you 
open in those first few years and how quickly did you do it? Well, it was only three shops. But the interesting thing was that I didn't have any money to open a shop. So I started working for a shop owner, which was selling mainly white goods. So camcorders, digital cameras and so on. And the salary, believe it or not, was £300 a month. When I say to people in England, they say, you mean £300 a week? I say, not £300 a month. I saw there was a great opportunity to make a lot of money. So I made a deal with my boss and I said to him, I want you to remove my salary completely. And I just want you to pay me a commission on the earnings that I'm bringing to the business. He just said to me, are you out of your head? How can I do something like that? If I do that, you're not going to make money. I said, you just worry about that. That way I'm protecting your downside. But if I'm adding so much value to you... I'm going to make more money. And? So that was a success. So five months later, I was starting making from £300 a month. I started making five, seven, ten thousand pounds £10,000 a month. So opened my first shop. Three months later, I opened a second one. Two months later, I opened a third one. So went in less than 12 months from earning £300 a month to having three shops that were pulling over £30,000 of net profit every month. So wow. it's almost like a hundred times increase. Find out much more from how this man, Vashi Dominguez, in front of me has built um, his, his empire's first one and then his second one. Time for some music. This is In the Wine Light from Kurt Elling. In the wine That was Kurt Elling and in the wine light. Vashi Dominguez is my business shaper today. He's the man behind the Vashi jewellery empire, the burgeoning empire. And before that, if you were listening just before, you'll be hearing how he went from £300 a month to five, ten, and so on, £1,000 a month and opened three shops. This is a remarkable story. How long did you have those three shops for and when did it stop and why did it stop? I had them for about nine months combined in total. The reason for that is I had to take a step back and just think at the time business was really, really strong in that, those areas in Tenerife, but the rent prices were huge. You were looking at Mayfair or Nicebridge prices and I didn't believe it was sustainable so i realized that eventually only the landlords will make up money and that's eventually what happened so i took a step back and i thought well there is already 600 competitors in the island and decided to move on to wholesale and that's was when i started traveling to the far east mainly to hong kong and china and i started importing the technology directly and selling to competitors including the shops that i have sold how old were you vashi at this point 19 years old so so how does anyone take a 19 year old seriously when they're running a business i mean you know this is this is uh, in any country at any time they would look at you and say you don't know anything yeah absolutely and that's the, i face quite a bit of adversity from that respect as well that's what happens i think you know that people look at you and unless you're of a certain age they're not willing to take you seriously but at the end of the day i was bringing products into the market i was bringing them a better prices than the competition and money talks and then tell me how you move from from that world into the world of, of jewelry and gems and things obviously you mentioned your the fascination and the connection with with gems through your grandmother what made you make the leap? Well, on the electronics, the big challenge was because I was in Tenerife, I was having to export the goods by ship. So they were taking six weeks coming by sea to arrive to Tenerife. Electronics prices are dropping all the time because innovation happens frequently. So by the time that I was buying quantity in order to get a cost advantage, by the time that the, the shipment arrived to Tenerife, I no longer had a cost advantage. In fact, I had a cost disadvantage. So I was just turning over inventory and not doing very much. So I realized that it was a business that I could scale. It will have a lot of top line, but no bottom line and a lot of risk. And therefore just decided to move into diamonds, which was my passion. I had no idea <coughs> of that, excuse me, of diamonds whatsoever. So I did a little bit of research and realized that in Europe, the main center was in Antwerp, Belgium. So traveled to Belgium, I started going to offices. I was thrown out from one office after the other. 
because it's a very close-knit industry. So even if you have money, it doesn't work like in electronics. In electronics, because I have capital, they were willing to sell to me. In diamonds, it wasn't like that whatsoever. I didn't have anybody in my family who was in the trade, and therefore they were not willing to sell to me. So I went to about 220 offices, 230. I lost count, but it was over 200. And how would the conversation go? You walk in to the... To, to, to so the... I walk in, and literally there'd be a number of people there who have made an appointment, and they were going to see me, and I'd be sitting in front of them, and they'll be on the phone, and very rudely, they won't even say, can I help you? And then they'll get onto something else, and eventually I have to say, hi, I'm here for the appointment. And they're like, what do you want? I say, well, I come for an appointment. I'm looking to buy diamonds. Can I see these goods? And they say, which company are you from? So I tell them the name of the company. Say, Never heard from it. I said, well, it's a new company. Sorry, we don't do new business. Just like this. Sometimes they will say to me, where are you from? I say, well, I'm half Spanish, half Indian. They used to say, oh, Indian, please take a seat. And then the question was, who in your family in India is in the diamond business? Of course, my answer was once again, no one. They used to say, get out. Sometimes they used to swear at me as well. It was just like that. And the one person... <laughs> The one person who said, yes, I'm happy to do something. What did that person say? Well, that person, as soon as I came in with the same pitch that I was coming to all of them, he said, please, of course, have a seat. I was really surprised. We did a deal. And half an hour later, I said to him, why did you sell to me? He looked at me and he said, well, why wouldn't I? I said, well, I've been coming to Antwerp. This is the fifth time I've come. I'm a week here every time. I've gone to hundreds of offices and nobody will sell to me. He said, they're all fools in the trade. He says, you're the best customer I have all year. I can see that you don't have a clue what you're doing and I'm making more markup with you. <laughs> he said, furthermore, the whole industry is crippled on credit and you're paying me up front. Absolutely brilliant. Stay, stay with me for more from Vashi Dominguez, my brilliant business shape. But Lacey's travel in a couple of minutes. But before that, some words of wisdom for your business. And I hope it's useful from our programme partners at Michigan de Rea. Hi, my name is Andrew Goldstone and I'm a partner in the tax group at Mishkondorea. My advice for any entrepreneur at any stage of business is to become tax aware. Even if you're a startup, do spend the time and money. A couple of hours on the web can teach you a lot about what tax structures are out there. And then when you do go and see your tax advisor, you'll be prepared. You won't be paying good money just to be told the basics. Instead, you'll get tailored tax advice on what really makes sense for you and your business. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning, 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock. You can hear me talking to a fantastic shaper in the world of business. My business shaper today is Vashi Dominguez. He is the founder, CEO, chief executive, and as you've just been hearing, the man with more chutzpah than most that you will encounter in life, um, the man behind Vashi.com, and they sell beautiful diamonds, and I've been on myself, and the prices are ridiculously cheap. Vashi, um, you were talking about that man that gave you the first break. So he sold diamonds to you. What did you do with that first batch that you bought? So I went back to Tenerife where I was living at the time and I had made contacts with some jewellery shops and I started selling to them. So I did that a few times, kept on going back to Antwerp and then there were a few big wholesalers in Tenerife which were, I was competing against. So I made a deal with them that I will sell directly to them and then I wouldn't touch the stores, but they will have to buy from me a certain amount. And that was where I got my big break. Started scaling the business from there, so I expanded from Tenerife into the other Canary Islands, then into mainland Spain, Europe, and then all over the world. But what about the competition? I mean, there's been other, loads of other families, as you said, people doing that for years. What made you better? I think the difference is that, you know, these companies get very, very big. And normally, you know, Indian families, Jews used to dominate the market. Now it's Indians who dominate the market. They'll have five or six brothers, one is sitting in Antwerp, the other one in Tel Aviv, the other one in Mumbai. But because the companies get very, very big, they have to employ buyers. 
and the buyers don't know as much as the company owners and also don't care as much. And diamonds are a very unique product. If you buy, let's say, for example, an iPhone 5, I look at it and I say, Elliot, I like it. I go to Apple, I ask for the same thing, and I'm going to get the same product. In diamonds, it doesn't work like this. No two diamonds are exactly alike. And because of that, they trade at very different prices. So your know-how has to be particularly good in this product and this industry. And they believed that your know-how was good, and obviously you, you developed it very fast. I developed it very fast, made some big mistakes along the way, but learned from them. Did yeah. you lose lots of money at certain points? Yes, of course, absolutely, yeah. And then how did it that, that, that kind of trading develop into much more of a sustainable business? What were the key steps along the way that enabled you to actually become a diamond dealer a, and have a diamond business versus being a bit of an opportunistic guy who liked the idea of dabbling in some diamonds? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you start traveling a lot. So I started, I was spending two days every week in Antwerp. I was going to Mumbai every month, spending five, six, seven days there. And the same people are seeing you all the time. It's a very, very close-knit community. So it's very difficult to enter. But once you're inside and you gain trust. They trust you more than they will in other industries. So after a year and two years, and also the business has scaled very quickly, we went from zero to 40 million pounds in three years alone. You know, So when you're buying three million pounds a month, that gets you a lot of friends. Now, your business right now um, is, is called Vashi.com, and that, was a st- that, was, that name became when? Was this 2013? Was it literally last year? This was September 2013, so it's literally six months ago. And now turning over a good few million pounds in business as well. That's right, yes. Absolutely. You're going to find out more about how he's managed to take um, that business further. Time for some music. This is Nakamara. I hope I said that properly, from Hiatus Coyote. was Nakamara from Hayita's Coyote. Vashi Dominguez is my business shaper today and we've been talking about how he created a really has created a really sustainable business. You were doing you were you were selling diamonds Vashi in the real world in the in in the in the world of the high street. What made you realize that you could convert that or you needed to convert that into an online proposition because that's what you've done. Yeah, well, I've built very strong contacts directly with diamond mines and cutters. And I know in this industry, there are too many layers. So normally between a diamond cutter and you as the end consumer, there are about five or six layers. So by me, by connecting these mines and cutters directly with you, in essence, we can bypass three or four layers in the supply chain. In other words, we are cutting out the middleman. And this translates into fantastic savings for the consumer, whilst also being able to retain healthy business, healthy margin in the business. And you're the only people that do that? We're about the only people that do that. The reason for that is due to my background. The only companies that have the same kind of connections that I have will be the likes of Tiffany or Signet Downs, Ernest Jones, H. Samuel. And these companies, most of the revenue comes from the stores. So they cannot go online and undercut their own store sales because otherwise they are killing their own business model. So the margin is really being driven on the high street by the same people that go and source the diamonds, essentially. Um, and that means, of course, that you have become um, a bit of a talking point, I imagine, in the industry, because this is an industry controlled by some really powerful families, really big businesses, multi-billion dollar pound businesses, whatever you'd like to call it. How have you handled that, 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 that role as a maverick? Because that's essentially what you are. Yeah, well, I think, you know, for me, I think that at the end of the day, every industry should be transparent. And as a consumer these days, thanks to the internet, you're going to be able to find out what 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 stands behind the lines so for me it's all about transparency 
the, I guess the only challenge, uh, and this is just uh, as a consumer or rather a person who has bought diamonds along the way, and I haven't got them, but other people may have them, the only thing is not being able to touch and feel it. And I think that's obviously important in the purchase process. How have you managed that problem? In, because that is an online issue, isn't it, for something like a diamond? How do, how do people trust that it's going to be okay? Well, that's a huge challenge. I think some people are trusting and internet is developing more and more. But you cannot, even if you have 3D imaging and anything, all the clever features that you want to have, you cannot replicate an inner store experience. And this is the reason why we opened a showroom at the beginning of the year. And now we're looking to open pop-up fronts as well to kind of be able to give the ability for customers to view an item before the purchase, or also to be able to buy it online and collect it directly at the shop, or if they want to return it, they can also come and return it in person. You're basically thinking about all sorts of things to cover, to, to get over that I issue. I think you have to, because otherwise, 90% of people are beginning the research online, but it's still 92% are making the purchases in the stores. Mm-hmm. So you're losing pretty much the whole market otherwise. We'll have our final chat with Vashi today, plus play track from the great Etta James. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. I don't want you to be no slave. work all day but I want you to be true That was Etta James, and I just want to make love to you. Vashi Dominguez is my business shaper, just for a few more minutes. Vashi, over the years, I mean, you're a young man who's done exceptionally well. Have there been people behind you that have guided you? Because you sound like you kind of do your own thing, but have there been quiet conversations with either friends or family that have enabled you to feel, to seem, you seem a very confident guy, you seem like you know what you're doing. Where's that all come from? Well, my mother, rest in peace, was a huge influence. You know, she was a journalist turned insurance broker and she used to work 15, 16 hours a day when I was maybe between 7 and 13 years old. And she ended up being the highest rank insurance broker in the seven Canary Islands for five years in a row. You know, so she was always a huge inspiration for me. Also, the first person that cut me the deal, again, unfortunately, passed away a couple of years ago. His name was Pina Savergel in Antwerp in Belgium. I learned a lot from him. He was a bit of my mentor for me as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of learned from him that, you know, business is business and you've got to separate professional and personal. And believe it or not, a lot of people still don't do it. And it does make a huge difference in whatever you do. It strikes me also that you're, you quite like being an outsider in an interesting way, in the sense that in Tenerife, you left the law. You just said, I'm going to do this. So you kind of went against the curve. You have now, you're a, a Spanish guy with Indian and Spanish roots who went into an industry in the diamond world in Mumbai, where obviously Invashi itself is the centre, if you like, of the of that industry. Um, and you're here living here now in the UK, in London. Do you think it's helped you that you kind of always feel like you're slightly not inside the world that you're in? So sort of have an observational view. Or has it not? Have you not really thought about it like that? I think it has helped. Yeah, I think also you know having been born in the Canary Islands, uh, having a mother that wasn't from the Canary Islands, she was from mainland Spain. A father that was from India. Obviously, my wife British. We've been together for almost twenty years. So all these influences have made a very very big difference. Mm. Now the the other thing, of course, that um, some people may know you for if they go online and have a, have a look at you is the fact that you've become a bit of a celebrity. You're using your own you know your your affable way and the fact that you love diamonds and you're becoming a an expert on television and things do are you seeing that as a as a uh, professionally uh, useful thing to do or are you just doing it because you enjoy it 
I think it has an effect, you know, on your brand, but I think that it's mid to long term. A lot of times people say, well, you were in this television program this morning. I'm sure your sales have been rocketing this afternoon. It doesn't quite work like that, you know. So for us, we're focusing on two things. One, growing revenue. But two, we're also trying to build brand value, especially as we're considering potentially doing a listing in the next three to four years. And you talk about brand value. The other thing I think you say is that you have conflict-free diamonds. Absolutely. How can you make sure they are? Because that must be the next question. Because we're buying directly from the source. So we have retained guarantees for every single diamond and we can pass those guarantees and we do pass them to our consumers when they make a purchase this is the issue for any jeweler if there are four or five layers in between whilst more people are selling conflict-free diamonds there is a lot of risk because on every layer in the supply chain there is risk being added uh, uh, just before i let you go um, um and before i ask you for your song just on the matter of ensuring that this business does grow and you talked about wanting to potentially float the business and things you've had investors along the way uh, quite a few i believe and you've raised money intelligently what would you advise um, other people looking for investment to do? How have you managed to pull it off? I, I would say, you know, I think the very important thing is that when people try to raise money, they have a clear plan generally. And then when they, once they meet investors, they're hearing different things and the plans change. I think you have to stick to your core. So for me, it was very important to get a deal that worked for the business long term. And sometimes you can get investors where the strategic objectives are aligned. So my advice will be just make sure that you're getting the deal that you envision from the beginning. And I would listen to that advice because you are talking to the man who um, has won the best independent site at the Online Retail Awards last year, as well as the Best Mobile Campaign Award at the E-Commerce Awards. I like awards. They're good, aren't they? They are indeed. Thank you so much for my business shaper. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Of course. Well, Diamonds Are Forever from Charlie Bassi. You really want to answer the question <laughs> because Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> Vashi, with a big smile on your face, thank you so much for being my business shaper. This is a the classic from Charlie Bassi. Thank you, Elliot. Diamonds are forever They are all I need to please me They can stimulate and tease me They won't leave in the night I've no fear That was Diamonds Are Forever from Shirley Bassey, the unsurprising song choice from my business shaper Vashi Dominguez, the founder of Vashi.com. A man with huge tenacity. My God, 200 knockbacks and he still kept going. And loads of passion for what he does. Um, and someone who's absolutely happy and enjoying himself in the world of business and growing his own business. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. That's next Saturday. In the meantime, though, please stay with us here on Jazz FM because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.